Welcome back. For the third episode of the Fossil Free SOAS Divestment Digest, we are joined by Bill McKibben, a co-founder of the organisation 350.org and a well-known advocate for the fossil fuel divestment campaign worldwide. Since 2012, 350.org has been taking on the oil, gas and coal industries with great success by highlighting their questionable links to educational, religious and government institutions. In this interview, Fossil Free SOAS's Julia Christian met with Bill to discuss how to bring about climate and social justice. So the first thing that we would like to know is, um, can you tell us a bit more about your role personally in the divestment movement? Well, I wrote uh, the article in Rolling Stone that's kind of been credited with helping get it going. I took some financial data that these people at the Carbon Tracker Initiative here in London had done, which demonstrated that these well, really demonstrated that the fossil fuel companies are now kind of rogue companies. They have four or five times as much carbon in their reserves as any scientist thinks is safe to burn. And it seemed to me that information was the kind of useful foundation of a divestment campaign. It's rare enough that we have companies that misbehave in this kind of systemic way uh, for which there's not an easy remedy. And so we set out to launch this campaign first in the States, then across Europe and in Australia. And we'll be moving on to Asia soon, but in those places, it's going great guns. Why do you think divestment is an important tool in the fight against climate change? Well, normally if you have a company that's doing something wrong, there are remedies well short of it. If, you know, uh, uh, Apple is paying its Chinese laborers too little, we don't need to get rid of our iPhones, much less our Apple stock. We need to put some pressure on them to pay a little more, and the price of the iPhone goes up a dollar, and everybody's happy. This is very different. This is the core business of the fossil fuel industry. Their valuations, their worth is entirely dependent on those reserves. There is no indication anywhere that they will ever surrender any of those reserves. No fossil fuel company ever has. Shell and Exxon and the others have made it astonishingly clear that they plan to dig up all of this out of the ground and they're busy looking for more. And so in the face of that, we have to try and really put pressure on them and that's what this divestment campaign is about. We're not going to bankrupt them. We are going to politically bankrupt them. Can you tell us a bit about what's happened so far in the beginnings of the campaign in the U.S.? And yes, um, in the U.S. we've had tremendous luck on college campuses, including some of the biggest, places like Stanford, but also with religious communities in the U.S. and around the world. The United Church of Christ, the Unitarian Church, uh, down under uh, uh, the Anglicans. Many religious groups have now divested. The World Council of Churches, um, which represents 580 million Christians. In Europe, uh, you know, Glasgow was the first to even begin this process of divesting. That's a good sign. In the Nordic countries, some of the big pension funds um, have begun to go in the right way. I think that the biggest boost probably of the whole thing came last month um, in New York when the Rockefeller Brothers Fund announced that they were selling their shares in fossil fuel companies. They're the first family of fossil fuel you know, the original oil fortune. If the Rockefellers now find it morally and financially unwise and immoral to hold on to this kind of stock, it seems to me that it's only a matter of time before 
uh, we're able to convince a lot of other people. But it'll take a lot of work. Some of it'll be done, you know, with nice negotiations, and some of it'll be done with sit-ins and protests and people going to jail. Last night on BBC Newsnight, you said that movements are a different kind of currency to the money of the fossil fuel industry. Can you elaborate a bit on that for us? Well, the fossil fuel industry really has all the money on earth. I mean, uh, I'm just a Sunday school teacher. I'm no theologian, but I think they have more money than God, probably. Exxon made more money last year than any company in the history of money. We're not going to match that. That left to its own devices, that money is enough to win most of the time. Our political systems, having a lot of money, buys you a lot of power. It shouldn't be that way, but it is. That's just how it works. Only in extraordinary circumstances are people able to beat money, and they're only able to do it when they come together, when they organize big movements. And from time to time, that succeeds. We hope that that's one of these times. The passion, the spirit, the creativity of people, and their sheer numbers. I mean, sometimes we have to spend the currency of our bodies, go to jail, do those kind of things. Do you have faith that our movement can achieve its goals? No. I have hope that it can. And I have faith that we'll win some of these fights. I worry that we've waited too long to get started, and that even if we do everything right, um, the uh, runaway heating of the planet will continue unabated. So I don't have much faith, but I do have conviction that we're now engaged in a fight finally, and it'll be interesting to see how it comes out, and that there's a possibility, though no certainty, that we'll win. Yes, well, I think all of us are hoping that is the case. Absolutely. Um, so Naomi Klein has talked about the opposition between capitalism and climate change yes. and that we need to challenge capitalism if yes. we're going to solve the climate crisis. What, what do you think about this and, and how do you think the divestment movement approaches capitalism? Well, Naomi, Naomi and I were, um, we sort of dreamed up the divestment campaign together. Mm. Um, and I think it's, a, it's one of many serious challenges. Uh, uh, it's very clear that unregulated capitalism is not working on solving climate issues. I mean, it's clear because the temperature is going up. So we've got to figure out how to bring it under some kind of control. Um, and that means, you know, putting a price on carbon. It means taking down companies that are irresponsible. It means preventing them from using their political, their money to exercise political power. Um, and finally, one last question. What message would you like to give to SOAS students as we uh, pursue divestment at SOAS? Thank you very much for leading on this. If it doesn't, I think that one thing to remember is that the fight is as important as the win. And if they don't give in right away, that's all right. It's going to give us another semester or two to push them hard and in the process do a lot of educating. If in the end you have to get more militant, you know, along the way, peaceful civil disobedience is a good last resort. I can now say with uh, enough experience that, you know, going to jail for a few days is not the end of the world. The end of the world is the end of the world. That's what we're, uh, you know, that's why we do what we do. So um, I hope it doesn't come to any of that, but I know you guys will uh, make it heard. And of course, SOAS is an important place. It's an important place because of its connection to the whole globe. They don't call it global warming for nothing. This is the first truly global issue that the world has ever faced. And so it makes great sense that at a school that has long prided itself on its global view and global vision, this would be a priority. Something
Join us for the next instalment of the Divestment Digest, and we'll be speaking with an activist from Colombia about the impact that the mining company BHP Billington has had on his community. Thank you for listening.